Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. We have notes, uh, paper notes if you're a paper kind of guy. We also have all the notes online on our app, so... Um, if you want to tune in to any of those notes, but everything will be on the board, most of everything. Um, so let's dive in. We're in a series called Choices. Uh, everybody say Choices. And um, it's, pretty, it's a pretty simple series about choices. No, <laughs> the big idea deal here when we talk about choices is to give you some groundwork about the cross and what it stands for and the difference between what we call good and evil. That, encompass, that, that, that takes in a lot of stuff. It encompasses a lot of decisions and choices when we talk about good and evil. Um, we're faced with good and evil every single day. And, um, so it's, but it's all about choices. Last week we talked about the difference between good and evil and, and what that looks like, the face of evil and the face of good. And today I'm going to hit on a subject that you don't hear a lot about in churches. Um, and, I, and I know that... Um, you know, maybe you come from a different uh, denominational background, and maybe there's some different teachings on this. But I'm gonna everything I want you to know. I want you to know everything I'm gonna say today is right out of the scriptures. It's not my interpretation. It's not my idea. It's not an ideology. It's not a doctrine thing. It's right out of the Bible. And I'm gonna talk about heaven and hell. Everybody say cool. <laughs> Yeah, not many ones. A lot of people don't want to talk about this. It's a deep subject, and, and um, so I want you to think with me what heaven and hell looks like to you. I want you to start making these mental pictures because a lot of people don't really think they don't dive. They don't get very deep into when we into things when it comes to eternity. They don't. Our mindset doesn't really think about eternity. I think a lot of us. Our tendency is to live more in a temporal mindset. For the temporarily, um, we don't have an eternal mindset. We tend to live for the here and now, right now for the moment, uh, for the season. Uh, um, and we don't think a lot w- about what's going to happen after we die. We don't want to think about that, especially if you're young. How many teenagers we got in here? I'm just raising, I'm doing that to see if you're here and you're paying attention. That's all that's about. But if you're young, um, you don't think about eternity. Because your our mindset, I know I was. I, I have all the time on the world. I have if I make some bad decisions, I have all the time in the world to make those decisions right. But the, but when you get more my age or older, you know, like on the backside of the eighteen hole golf course, you know, third or fourth quarter, you know what I'm talking about. When you, you start thinking about these things, you start thinking about eternity. Um, you start having these questions. Am I ready for eternity? Um, do you believe in eternity? That's the big question. Do you believe in eternity? Do you believe that there's eternity on the other side of this temporary life? Because God puts in his word, he talks a lot in his word about eternity. He talks about it in the Bible. And when Peter was writing to this church, in 2 Peter, he made this statement, and, and it kind of says it all. Um, 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, um, Peter said this. He said, you must not forget this one thing, church. Dear friends, he puts it, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. And I know people have tried to put, do the math and think about eternity and when the end of time has come and, and, and all that. Uh, but but when the way God views time, basically this thousand years to a day and a day is a thousand years, basically what that's trying to tell us is when God views time, he doesn't view time the way we view it. God's not conscious of time the way we are. Because we look through the lens of a, a temporal time, a clock, and a calendar, but he's, he's thinking more of eternity, eternal mindset, and, and we can't kind of, we don't, we can't fathom, we can't think like God. Um, we, we know we have a certain amount of time here on earth, but the reality is um, we don't know a whole lot about what happens after that, but God does. And so God thinks about our life through the lenses of eternity 
And we think about our life through the lens of a temporal mindset. Going on, reading on in Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 8, the Lord isn't really... The, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. We think, oh God, he's just dragging this thing out. He's dragging it. Uh, no, he is being patient for your sake. Somebody say, amen. <laughs> I'm glad he's patient with me. He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. That's a key statement right there. God doesn't want anybody to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Everybody say, Repent. That's a key thought too right there. Another version says it's not God's will for anyone that should perish, but all should come to him and have everlasting knowledge of him. We talked about the importance of repentance last week and even a couple of weeks ago. Um, I said this and I'll say it again. There is no salvation with Christ without repentance. Okay? There's not... This mind, you know, we, there's a mindset with some, a lot of people that said, I believe in Jesus, I love you, God, now I'm saved. And, and there's a part missing out of that, and that's repenting. Repenting of your sins and turning 180 degrees and going the other way. Uh, um, you know, if you're not repenting of your sins and you're not turning your sins over that are in your life to, to, uh, you know, to, for the forgiveness of God, there is no salvation. There, it, it starts with repentance. But God is not willing that anybody should perish. Um, the, the reason I'm saying this is because a lot of people uh, um, believe that they can, they can have this, say this prayer, but then they go on and live the same lifestyles. There's no change. There's no turnaround. There's no turning 180 degrees. There's no repentance. Um, and so that's why I say that. There's got to be repentance. The Bible talks a lot about repentance. So I want to clarify a couple things about salvation before we get into this so nobody's confused because I'm going to talk about works. And so when we, when we talk about sin and a, a lot of people get confused about salvation, your salvation is not determined by your works. In other words, you don't do anything to get into heaven. It's, that's not the way it works. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. Your salvation is not determined by works. Your salvation is determined by faith in God's works, by the grace of God and what Jesus did on the cross. That's how you're saved. You're saved by grace, um, not because of your good works and how good you've been. You're saved because of what Jesus and the price that he paid for your sins and, and he, him, Jesus, taking your place on the cross for your sins. And so aren't you glad that Jesus took the place on the cross bearing your sins upon his body? <laughs> Amen? Uh, you, you know, trading his righteousness for your sins. But listen to me. Once you're saved, you're saved for good works. You'll follow me? You're not saved by your works, but you're saved for good works. The Bible talks about you work out your salvation daily with fear and trembling. The Bible says, James says, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So in other words, you can tell a person is saved by the way they live their life. Very clearly. Jesus said you can judge people by the fruit of their lives. So in other words, if you tell me you're living for Jesus, if somebody tells me, ah, I'm, I'm living for Jesus, but really I look at their life and they're living in sin and they're constantly living in sin, now how many of you know those two things don't add up? They don't add up. I can look at their life and say, are you really a Christian? You know, I scratch my head and I have to wonder because the Bible, I, I can tell by the way you live. Let me be clear, you're saved not by works but by grace but then you're saved for good works. Peter goes on to say, and, and he's telling us about this concept of salvation, he said this, but the day of the Lord, everybody say the day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? That's when the Lord wraps it up. He said, this is over. This is, I'm done with this thing. This is over. It's the end. Um, we've reached the fourth quarter and the clock is running out. Um, this is now the end of the world. Let's read on in the scriptures. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. 
So I told him this morning, you haven't seen global warming yet. <laughs> Since everything around us, the Bible says, is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens. Everybody say new heavens. Okay, that's going to be key in a minute. And we're looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. So there's going to be new heavens and new earth. you got to listen to this and get this. Because uh, he has promised a, word filled with, a world filled with God's righteousness. In other words, he's saying after we enter into eternity, after this temporary life is over, once we cross over into eternity for a thousand years and then a hundred thousand years go by, uh, you know, and then a million years go by, um, this, this makes this look, this temporal life here, this, this make, we're just getting started on our journey. This, this journey with Jesus Christ is going to last for millions of years. You get it? Eternity is forever. Eternity is forever, forever. I don't even, I can't even say it. Eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, ever. It's forever. Eternity is forever. And, and um, that's what this, this is talking about. It's never ending. What happens, at e- but this is key right here. What happens right now, what happens in eternity is dependent on what happens right now on this earth. This temporary life that you're living what the decisions you're making, the choices you're making right now are going to weigh heavy on the, your life in eternity. And that's what we're talking about today. This is a huge decision. This is a choice we have to make. It comes down to choices we make daily. The choices we make daily are going to impact our life for eternity. These are eternal decisions, eternal choices that we're making most of us don't think about choices when it comes to eternity, um, yet our short time here on earth, everything about how we're living our life on earth and determines the rest of eternity. See, most Americans, just American mindset, this cultural mindset, um, they, they believe in the afterlife. When they surveyed Americans, when they surveyed Americans across the board, they've done polls and they've taken these statistics. 74% of Americans believe in heaven. That's a lot of Americans that believe in heaven. That's a lot of people. They believe in eternal heaven. And 59% of all Americans believe in hell. They believe there's a hell. They believe there's eternal hell. But when you ask all these people, these same people, one out of every 120 for every American that believes they're going to hell, 120 people will say, I'm going to heaven. Now, that's pretty good. That's a mindset, you know. Uh, um, but let me show you what's contradicting that number. So in other words, if there's 120 of us here today, one of you is going to say, nah, I believe I'm going to hell. <laughs> but everybody else says, I believe I'm going to heaven. But the Bible says, says this, and this is what keeps me up at night. This is what should keep all of us up at night. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 said, You can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. We talked about this scripture so much last week. You can only enter God's kingdom through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. The highway to hell, its gate is wide for the many who are going to choose it. Not... Choose it intentionally because no, most people, if you ask most people, say, hey, do you want to go to heaven or hell? They're going to say, oh, I'm going to heaven. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. Give me one of those tickets. But it comes down to choices. The gate is wide to hell. And, 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 and it says, but the gate to life is narrow and the road is difficult and only a few will ever find it. Now, when you read that scripture and it says only a few... Um, See, this, this gate into God's kingdom, it's narrow and it's not easy. We talked about it last week. Go back. If you weren't here, go back and watch Nick last week's message. We talk about abortion and same-sex marriage and all these good versus evil things that are in our culture and, 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 and things that we've got to make choices about, things that we've got to make choices in the upcoming election and, and how these choices impact our descendants and our kids and our grandkids. These choices are heavy choices. And they're hard choices, and they're not popular choices. 
And the Bible says only a few, only a few are going to make this, they're going to make these choices because they're popular, they're unpopular and they're not easy. And so when it's talking about a few, it's not just saying, hey, I'm going to select a handful of you and you're going to make it. I'm just going to hand out a few of these golden tickets to a few of you. That's not what it's talking about. Jesus is basically saying there are more people that's going to go end up taking the broad gate by their choices than those people that are going to choose the narrow gate. That's what he's saying. He's not putting a number on this thing, okay? We like to put a number on it. We like to think of it in terms that way. The reality is most of the world doesn't really know who God is or heaven or what heaven and hell is like. And because this is the reason, so many people in American Christianity, American cultural Christianity, have formulated their belief systems that completely disagree with God's word. That's the way it is in our culture today. Let me, let me talk about this. The new religion of today has shifted from obeying God's commandments of what's right and what's wrong and what's good and it's evil to a religion that says we serve a God who is tolerant of all lifestyles. And it's a belief system that, so we've, we've reduced God to this sympathetic humanitarian. That's what we've done. That's what American, I'm not saying any of you, I'm just saying General, generally speaking, that's what American Christianity, cultural Christianity is what I call it. That's what they've done. God is, God, God is not the Bi- God of the Bible anymore. And so he is, he's this God who we think of, who we've envisioned, that we've made up in our image. We have America, in America, we have manufactured a God to align with our feelings and with our emotions in the way, with, way we think things should go. And, and how many of you know that once you start creating a God in your own image, that becomes a false God? You know that? So <laughs> a lot of people have developed this philosophy about God that he's just a good God and he's just humanitarian. He's for everybody and, 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 and you know, kumbaya and everything's hunky-dory. And, and, but God is a just God <laughs> and he is a righteous God. And, and the only thing that cultural this culture cr- uh, cares about in our America right now is making sure, hey, everybody's got a good life. Everybody feels good about themselves. Uh, there's no such thing as a sinful lifestyle. Uh, um, you know, whatever choices you make, we just all need to be tolerant of everybody's choices. We need to be tolerant of everybody's lifestyles. We just need to say, you know, we just all need to get along. And, and this new religion, this is what I called. I've been talking about this for a few weeks. It's the religion of tolerance. That's what we're faced with in America today. And if you're not a tolerant person, let me just tell you a warning. If you're not a tolerant person right now, especially in our culture, right now, if you're not tolerant, you're evil. (laughs) You're looked upon as evil. And as the times draw closer and closer, if you're not tolerant, listen, you're going to be labeled as an enemy of the state. You're going to be an enemy of society. You're going to be seen as dangerous because you're a Christian and you stand up on God's word and his principles, they're going to look at you as dangerous. It's not, it's, in our culture, the way things are going, the trends and the way things are going, it's not going to be easy, folks, to choose the narrow gate because it's going to be unpopular and it's going to be uneasy to do. But that gate that goes to hell is going to be wide open because it's going to be easy and it's going to be popular and it's gonna, you're going to go with the flow. And, and so we have to talk about these things. I don't want, I don't want anybody that's in my congregation under my voice to, to know. I want you to know the difference between the two gates. And there's going to be choices that you're going to have to make. And it's going to be tough. Political systems are going to come against you. Uh, rivalries are going to come against you because of the choices you choose to stand on God's principles. 
Even today, I got up this morning and got up this morning and, and I read that a pastor in Georgia, that the, the government, the state government has come in and they're confiscating all his sermons and all his Bibles and they're confiscating because he's going against their cultural, their, he's going against their trends, he's going against uh, everything that they've created in their minds that the way things should be. It, it, it's tolerance, 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 a religion of tolerance. And so everything I'm telling you is real. But there is, listen, there is a biblical God that I serve. Amen? We, we serve a biblical God. And he's not this God that people have created in their minds. He is, a, he is the God of right and wrong. He is the God of good and evil. And he is the God that, that creates a life where me and you get to choose. And I like choices. But we have to choose. And I, I believe most people don't understand this. Uh, for most people, hell is a state of mind. It's a place where really, really bad people go, and we don't want to think about it no more. And so let's take a look at hell for a moment. Uh, um, I want to take you down this journey of hell, just give you a glimpse. I'm not going to spend too much time here because it's depressing, okay? <laughs> this is a biblical hell, though. I'm going to give you the scriptures. And, 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 you know, first questions, a lot of people have questions about hell. They'll say, well, what is hell for? Why did, why did hell happen? You know, so I, I want you to understand this before we go any further. Hell was not created for people. Hell was not created for people at all, at all. And um, it, it was, it, hell was a place of judgment for Satan and his angels, um, Matthew, Jesus said this in Matthew 25, 41. He said, depart from me. You curse it to everlasting, everlasting fire departed for the devil and his angels. So let me explain this. Let me, let me kind of paraphrase a bunch of this. I know many of you already know this, but you may be new to this. Um, and so I'm going to explain it. Um, so in heaven, before creation, before the beginning of time, back, way back, there were three archangels in heaven, and they ruled over certain phases of heaven. Three people, three angels, and they ruled. And so there was Michael, he was the great archangel of war. And then there was Gabriel, and he was the messenger, uh, the archangel of messengers. He was the messenger angel. And then there was Lucifer, and he was the archangel over worship. Okay? You can read all about this. I'm not going to go read the scriptures for the sake of time, but go to Ezekiel 28 and go to Isaiah 14. You could read about what I'm fixing to tell you. Basically, it says Lucifer exalted himself to a point. He was created in this beautiful place, and he elevated him place. He exalted himself to a place of pride because he wanted to be equal to God. He wanted to be equal to God. He wanted to be looked upon as and treated like God. And so Lucifer tried to uh, overthrow God's kingdom. He wanted to take God's place. And the Bible says that God took Lucifer, uh, I imagine him by the ear, <laughs> took him out to the woodshed. <laughs> That's kind of in my. But he took Lucifer and his one-third of the angels because one-third, heaven three divided in threes. He took one-third of them and, and basically he cast them out of heaven. This is all before the beginning of time, and you've got to have an eternal mindset to even get your mind around this. And they were never able to come back into heaven again. Revelations 12, 12 talks about this. It said, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Who are the inhabitants of the earth and the sea? That's you and I, huh? We, we inhabit the earth and the sea. He said, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, because he was kicked out, having gave great wrath. The enemy, the devils, Lucifer and his angels, they have great wrath because they know they have such a short time. And there's a certain time that they have on earth, and then they know it's over. So Satan's banished, and now he's taken on this form of evil along with one-third of his angels, and now they're roaming the earth, all of the earth, seeking whom they may devour. And so I don't have a lot of time to get into this about demonic control and temptations, but they rule and reign over regions of the world. Uh, there's spiritual strongholds all over cities and communities and nations. There's different strongholds, and, and these demonic entities are controlling people. They're called strongholds, uh, people who do not follow Jesus. Uh, you know, and, and so uh, you know, we have all, you know, when sin entered into the world, we've all unknowingly and 
cooperated with these demonic forces and, and through temptation and sin in our life. Um, but when this happened, the whole world came under this deception of Satan's, Satan's deception of blindness, spiritual blindness, because he don't want us to know the truth. The spirit of deception is blinding believers, blinding people, blinding. Lucifer comes to blind the minds and the eyes of those who are on the earth. Probably a lot of you were blinded at one time in your life, spiritually blinded, and, and all of a sudden you come to knowledge of the truth and your eyes are open. The Bible talks about your eyes being opened. Um, they're because we take on this form of blindness through sin, and now because of this, because of this, God has He has to come and redeem us. God has to come and save us from our own selves and save us from our destruction. And I'm giving you a lot here, but once we sinned, once we started following and cooperating with demons on this earth and Satan himself, the Bible uh, says evil began to propagate itself through the bloodline of Adam. So once Adam and Eve sinned, this propagated through the bloodline and it was passed down to us. And, and, and so your decisions, your choices will affect your bloodline. It'll affect your kids. It'll affect your grandkids. It, it is propagated through the bloodlines. That's why it's so important for you I said this last week, and I can't stress this enough. The choices you make today affect your kids and your grandkids and their kids and their grandkids. It's propagated and it's passed down through the bloodline. Strongholds, addictions, those things are curses. They're passed down through the bloodlines. And so all of that happened, and once we started this, the Bible says evil began to propagate it. And so, um, see, we don't. none of us have to learn how to sin, right? <laughs> We, sin is easy. Sin, is, we, sin just comes natural to us. What we do have to do, though, is we have to learn how to do good. We have to learn how to live right. We have to learn how to make the right choices, and that's why you're here today. We're learning. And so we couldn't do any of this unless we were redeemed from destruction through the blood of Jesus Christ. Once sin, er, sin enter, enters into our life, it has to be broken off. So how does that happen? So if we keep on living in this sin and living in this, and this sin and curse doesn't get broken in our life, we're going to continue down this path of destruction. And it's going to affect our personal lives, our beliefs. And we, we, so if you're living in a life of sin, sin cannot enter heaven. Because that's where we're going with this. Sin cannot enter heaven. There's no place in heaven for sin. Paul said in Galatians 5.9, he said a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. And so he's talking about sin. Sin can't enter into heaven. And so it just can't or else you would have a sinful heaven. All it takes is one person to let sin into heaven and it corrupts all of heaven. We'll have a sinful heaven. And so that's not going to happen. And so God placed a barrier between sin and heaven. You cannot allow sin to enter into heaven. The problem is, is we all have sin in our lives, right? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. And the only way we can get into heaven is sin has to be dealt with, it has to be broken off our life, there has to be a way out. That's why Jesus came to this earth, amen? <laughs> That's why Jesus is here. Jesus lived on this earth, lived without sin. Jesus died on a cross, he shed his blood for the remission of our sins so that we could have our sins forgiven and cleansed for and thrown into the sea, the Bible talks about, in the sea of forgetfulness so that they're remembered no more. So that when we stand before God who is pure and holy, even though our lifestyles may have been a wreck, even though we've made a lot of bad decisions, we can, when, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we accept the work that Jesus did and we accept the work of the cross into our life, because of what Jesus did, God sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ and he sees our sins and he remembers our sins no more. That's a good place for you to shout and say amen. So that's the price Jesus paid for your sins. However, you have to make a choice. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow what Jesus says? Are you going to follow his principles, his teachings? Or are you going to follow the patterns of this world that were developed under the disguise of the enemy and Satan because he has strongholds and controls over this earth? It's a choice. And we're affected with these choices every single day. You're affected. you got to make this choice in your mind. you got to make this choice in your spirit every day when you get out of bed. you got to make this choice. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. 
Now, some people say, well, why would a loving God send people to hell? First of all, God doesn't send anybody to hell. Um, You choose to go to hell. It's a choice. It's a choice you make or you don't make. You choose to reject God or you choose to reject. You can simply, you don't. Most people don't say, well, I just want to reject God. They don't reject God. They, 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 by not accepting God, is rejecting God. Do you follow what I'm saying? It, it's a choice. Here's the better question. Why would God let you into heaven? You ever think about it that way? Why would God let you into heaven? Well, I'll tell you why. Because God so loved the whole world the whole entire world and everybody in it and everything in it, that he was willing to give his only begotten son that whoever believe in him shall not perish. That's why God would let you into heaven. So he made a way. Um, and so God traded his only son for you and me and for our children and our grandchildren. Jesus died on the cross and suffered for you and for me. Jesus gave his whole life for you and for me so that you could go to heaven in spite of your decisions, in spite of yourself, in spite of all your sin. You could, If you make that choice to accept his work, you can go to heaven. It's not why would God send people to hell, it's why would God let people into heaven. The reason people go to hell is not because God wants them to go to hell. God is not willing that anyone should perish. That's why I read that scripture at the beginning. God is not willing that anyone should perish. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants everybody to go to heaven. But it's a choice we make. Will we serve God? Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Will you serve God or will you serve the things of this world and the patterns of the world and choose the wide gate that's popular and easy? So let's talk about hell, okay? We're going to talk about hell, we're going to talk about heaven, and I'm going to show you, draw you a picture of that, and then we're going to be done. So let's give a description of hell. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about hell, so I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but the scriptures are in your notes. They're up here on the deal, and I'm, I, so you don't think I'm making any of this up. You go read the scriptures and see what it says, okay? But the reality is, this is truth. First of all, hell is total darkness, Total darkness. Uh, Matthew twenty two thirteen talks about this. Total darkness, not partial darkness. You know, like we do, we leave a we leave a hallway light on or a night light on. There ain't none of that gonna. Uh, can, can we just go ahead and uh, we're gonna do something here for a minute? Apologize to everybody online that can't see me right now, but um, just bear with me because. And I know this is not total darkness. Um. This is partial darkness, but I I want you to hear some of the things that I'm going to say in darkness. Total darkness means there's no light. There's no clock in the background. There's no exit lights. There's nothing. Once a person is in hell, the Bible describes this, they will never see light again for an eternity. They will never see the sunshine or the sunset for an eternity. They will, there will never be light around them again. There will be complete darkness. You're not going to be partying with your friends. You're not going to be hanging out with your buddies. Okay? Revelations 14, 11 describes hell as a place where there's no rest or sleep. Okay? The lights are going to stay off. I want you to hear all this. There's no rest or sleep. How many of you? I like my sleep. How many of you like sleep? No more of that. Perpetual, eternal insomnia. Revelations 14, 11 talks about that. Um, Isaiah 26, 14 says, you will be alone, okay? And you'll be forgotten. You'll be isolated, okay? There's not going to be a party in hell. This is not, this is not a game. You're not going to be ta- talking with your friends. You're not going to be hanging out at the bar having a drink. There's none of that in hell. There's total depravity, and, and, it's, and it's of darkness, and you're alone, Isaiah 38, 18 says there's hopelessness. So you you won't have no more hope. You're not going to have time to change your mind when you're in this place. There's no more change in your mind. The Bible talks about Psalm 73 and 18 and 19 says you're going to be consumed with fear. Your worst scary movie, magnify that times a thousand. You're going to be perpetually scared for eternity, uh, and it's just going to feel like an eternity. You're just scared. You're shaking. You're trembling. The Bible talks about eternal torment. 
in Mark chapter 9, verse 44, 46, and 48. The Bible says you'll be in a place where the flame never goes out. There's going to be a constant fire. The fire never quenches. The worm never dies. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's constant torment. And finally, Revelations 20, 11 and through 15 talks about final separation from God. You'll never, never, ever sense or feel the presence of God again. When you walk in here, you know, so many times we walk into this building, there's a strong presence of God that's in here. It was in here this morning. There's always a presence of God in here. When, when I walk in here, even through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, well, there's a presence of God. It, I just can't describe it. The presence of God, the candle of the presence of God is light. It is lit in this place. Uh, it's really lit. It's lit. Some of the kids will get that. Um, you can turn the lights back on. But you're, when you're in hell, you're never going to experience the presence of God again. Never going to feel the presence of God ever again. And, and so um, let this just settle on you for a minute. I know that's depressing and it sounds wicked and it sounds evil. It is. But you need to feel the weight of it. And you need to understand. Regardless of what people say out there, there is a hell and it's for eternity. And there is a heaven which is for eternity. And eternity means forever. And when a person dies without Jesus Christ or the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, maybe a family member, maybe your friend, maybe a co-worker, maybe your neighbor, there is a real possibility for someone you love to spend eternity in hell, experiencing what we just described. And so that should motivate you a little bit. That should motivate all of us a little bit. Um, because statistics say the only reason that people don't come to church, you want to know why? The number one reason why people don't come to church. That I'm talking about the unbelievers, the unsaved. You know what the number one reason why they don't come to church is? They don't get invited. That's the number one reason. If they were just simply invited they would probably come. If they're not invited, they're, they're going to sit back in their comfort zones and they probably won't go. But the number one reason, the, the, the stats tell us, everything the polls tell us, if you invite them, they'll probably come. They'll probably come, and it could be a divine moment for them. It very well could be. You have influence over a lot of people in your lives. You have circles of friends. You have influence. Invite them, they'll come. Take it another further. Another step further, go pick them up and drive them to church so that they don't have to pull up in the parking lot awkward by themselves. Say, hey, I'll come by and pick you up so we can go together. Chances are they'll come and they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they'll experience God in a very real way uh, um, and, and they'll get saved. And we, they can get saved any weekend that we hear. We always give everybody an opportunity to get saved in this place. And here's what I'm trying to say. If they don't get saved, if they don't, if, you, if we just watch people go down this easy path, down this path uh, that's, that's, that's wide and, and popular and, and it goes with the grain and it goes with everybody, uh, um, you've got friends and you've never told them about Jesus and you've never invited them to church, um, you know, basically we're saying go ahead and jump off the bridge. You know, go ahead and jump. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we really care about our neighbors? Do we care about our friends? Do we care about our family members? Do we really care about them? And I know this is heavy, but we can't let the busyness of our lives take our heart away from helping people find Jesus because that's what we were put on. That's the good works that I'm talking about. You were saved for good works, to do good works, to reach people, to do things, to 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 populate heaven, to build his kingdom. And when you bring people to Jesus Christ, let me tell you, man, the Bible says heaven rejoices over one person, man. We were rejoicing in this place over three people today, uh, three people. We had four or five last week. We had about three or four the week before. We baptized several last week. We're going to baptize some more next week. Uh, things are happening. God is moving in this place because heaven's rejoicing over one person. The question is, is, Will you be a part of bringing the harvest in or will you just remain in your chairs and just go to church? And so I want you to invite, invite people, man. Just bring them to church services and, and just spare them from the hell that we just described. Amen? So now what about heaven? That's all depressing. Hell's just like, pfft, I don't want to go there. You guys aren't going there. We're gonna, we're, let's talk about heaven. Heaven's a good place. How many of you want to know what heaven's like? 
Okay, so we all want to know what heaven, but we have no idea what heaven's like. And, and when you ask the average person, hey, what's heaven like? Most of us would say, even myself, I'm like, I don't have a clue. You know, I, I really don't know. I don't know what heaven's like, but I know what the Bible says, and I know what the Spirit of God has revealed, and that's the path I'm going to take you down. I think when we say heaven, hey, what's heaven like? If we ask the average person, we're, we think of uh, little pot-bellied angels running around with harps playing music, right? That's kind of what my imagination growing up, little babies, little baby angels playing the harps. And, and that's all cool. If we're going to sing songs and play harps, I'm down, but that sounds boring for eternity. That just sounds really boring to me. And so I, I think it's going to be a little more lively than that, don't you guys? Can, there's a lot more to heaven than just little angels and singing harps. That's all good, but there's more to it. So here's some questions to get you to thinking. A lot of people ask these kind of questions. I've, I've been asked these questions tons. Um, number one, where is heaven? Well, that's a good question. I'm gonna, I'll try to answer it here in a little bit. Um, what will people be like in heaven? What will people like? Uh, you know, will we look similar to ourselves in heaven? Some of us say yes. I Listen, I'd say no. I'm, I'm ready to tighten things up a little bit and a little, little bit more fit and trim. You know what I'm saying? You know, what age will we be? That question always comes up. Um, will, we have a, will we be a certain age? You know, will we wear clothes? God, I hope so. <laughs> what about food? Will we eat food? You know, literally, what, 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 you know, will we eat and drink? Literally, we're going to ask, answer these questions here in a minute. Are we going to still be learning things, or will we know it all? Um, some of you know it all already. <laughs> you know, so there's some people out there that know it all already. <laughs> there. What about sleep? Do we sleep? Will we go to work? Do we have to work? Do we have to grind? Um, what about relationships and people we know, earthly relationships? Um, will we be reunited with loved ones? Um, will we still live with a purpose? All of these questions come up all the time. And I mean, there's just a lot of questions. And some of those questions are answered in the Bible. Some of those questions are not. Some of them are left up to the imagination. Some of them are, uh, those questions are left up to God revealing that to us. And so the scripture says in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, again, read the word of God. The Bible says, it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. How many of you love God? I know all you guys do. Everybody in here loves God. You love Jesus with all your heart. You wouldn't be here. You're here. Even if you don't love God and you don't know God, you're searching. And by the time this is over, you're going to love God. But the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't been entered into man's heart what God has prepared for us in heaven for those who love him. I think heaven's going to be exciting. I think heaven's going to be full of joy, don't you? Uh, it's going to be exciting. Then it goes on to say, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, and yes, the deep things of God. And so, um, I want you to think a little deeper for me now. Get out of your social media type of thinking. Get out of your, uh, you know, your college education platform. Get out of your human understanding conversation platform. I, I want you to think on a God platform right now, whatever that looks like. I just want you to broaden your mind for a minute and think with me. We have a limited knowledge of human beings, but God, has, God knows everything. God knows what it's going to be like. God knows he already has it all planned out. He's already prepared it. Eternity has been pl planned and prepared. God knows what heaven's going to be like. And the Bible says as you get to know God, as you get to begin to search the scriptures and you begin to become more intimate with God, um, the Spirit is going to speak things to you and reveal things to you concerning the deeper things the deeper truths, things like heaven can be revealed to you. And as you start to read the Bible, you'll start to notice certain things in the Bible that weren't so clear when you first started reading the Bible. Some of those, some of the, how I many of you, you read scriptures and you really, hey, I didn't even know that was there. You come back and read it again, you're like, wow, that's, that's because God will begin to reveal things to you. For example, let me give you some thoughts about heaven. This might blow some of you away. Again, this is coming from the Bible. I didn't make this up. This is not doctrine from some church denomination. This is not some ideology. This is not some theology. This, everything I'm telling you is right out of the Bible. Did you know that the Bible says there are two heavens? Some of you do. Some of you are scholars. 
The Bible says there's two heavens. Let me talk about that. Paul talks about a third heaven, but those are, there's levels of heaven. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Um, the Bible talks about two actual heavens. The Bible says there's two heavens. There is a current heaven, and then there's a new heaven. We've already mentioned that once in the Scriptures previously. There is a new heaven that's yet to come. Okay? It's yet to come. So I'm going to show you in the Scriptures there's two places of hell, too, and, and, or what we would call hell or judgment. There's a current hell, and then there's a permanent hell. So there's two heavens and two hells. I'm going to show you that. So the present heaven right now is where Christians go when they die. You have loved ones, they've died, they're, they're in heaven right now when you die. If you have a family member that dies, this is where they go. Biblically, it's called paradise. Uh, um, it's where you're waiting for final judgment for the world to come to an end. And you, you know, after which you'll receive your resurrected bodies. Haven't received your resurrected bodies yet. Uh, um, you don't go and receive your resurrected body until the new heaven. Right now, you just go as a spirit. Um, when you die, your physical body goes right back into the ground and, and your spirit raises from the dead. A lot of people ask me this question. I get this question all the time. Is it okay to be cremated? How many of you have ever wondered that? You don't have to raise your hands. Um, here's what I'll say about that. Your physical body goes back to the dust one way or the other. Your spirit is raised, okay, in heaven, waiting for the new heaven for a resurrected body. Are you with me now? Um, cremation came from tradition. I mean, you know, burying a body came from traditions. If you go read history books, stuff like that, they wanted their body to be a witness to the unbelievers that their bodies would be resurrected, stuff like that. But, but your spirit goes back to the, your, your body goes back to the dirt. So that's all. We're not here to talk about that today. Luke chapter 16, here's what the Bible says. Got to know what the Bible says. This is Jesus talking about heaven and hell. Jesus gives us a description, it's a parable, but he's describing what it's going to be like, what it's like. He said, there's a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. That's nasty. So it was, the beggar died, watch this, and was carried by the angels to Abram's bosom. Okay? Sounds like when you die that angels are going to carry you somewhere. They're going to, the spirit, angels are going to carry your spirit somewhere. The rich man also died and was buried. And be in torments in Hades. You following me? He lifted his eyes and saw Abraham far off. And Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may... This is the guy that was begging at his feet, begging at his gates. He's saying, send that guy that was begging at my gates over here and let him tip his finger in the water and to cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. You see all that stuff I already described to you? But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Broad is the gate. Narrow is the gate. And besides all this, the Scripture says, between us and there, there's a great chasm. There's a great gulf. Uh, there's a great void. So those that want to pass from here to you cannot do it, nor can they pass from there to here. There's no bridges there's no, oop, I changed my mind. Oop, I got on the wrong bus. Oop, I got the wrong ticket. Oop, none of that. Oop, th I, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I took the wrong turn. So Jesus is talking about this place called paradise, Abraham's bosom, and then a place called Hades that are temporal waiting places for eternal judgment. It's where our spirits go. Revelations 21, read the Bible. Let's keep reading the Bible. Let's go to Revelation 21, verse 1 right now. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw this holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. 
He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. I'm describing to you what heaven's going to be like. He will wipe, whoa, this gets good. He will wipe every tear away and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. This is the new heaven. He said, and then he said unto me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I watch this. This is good. This describes heaven. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these things. Uh, um, they will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But coward unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So you die one, your spirit goes to Hades, then there's a second death where it's just forever eternity. Final. Finalization. And I don't think there's any question that God says right here and shows us that there is an eternal heaven and eternal hell. I think we can all agree with that and concede that. It's very clear in the Bible. Now, there's also two judgments that you need to be aware of that's going to take a place. You need to be aware of these. There's called the judgment of faith. Okay, this is where people, this is where all people who don't believe in Jesus will be judged because of their unbelief. Okay, I hope none of you are going to be here. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've turned to salvation, you've repented, you're not going to be at this judgment. Okay, you're, those people that do not believe in Jesus, they've rejected Jesus, they've taken the broad, the broad gate, they've taken this easy path, they've rejected God, those are the people that are going to stand here, and, and every single person's going to stand here. You won't be there, don't get me wrong, don't mishear me. Ju- this is just for the unbelieving world that will stand there before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible talks about every knee will bow. <laughs> every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There's going to be unbelievers, and they're going to stand, and they're going to bow a knee, and they're going to say, Jesus is the Lord. But it's going to be too late when they confess that. There, there, there is this judgment, but you won't be there. This is the great white throne judgment, and they will be judged for their lack of faith in Christ. And the Bible says in that judgment they will be cast into the lake of fire. It's, there's eternity right there, and believers, unbelievers will stand in this place. And this is called the white, white, great white throne judgment. That means all religious people outside of Christ, if you're religious, you don't know Christ, you've rejected Christ, unbelievers, atheists, agnostic scientists, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ and you don't profess the works of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you name it, uh, you don't repent of your sins, you don't accept the work of the cross, this is the place for you. This is what you're... This is what you're going through. This is what you have to look forward to. And I know people don't want to re- reject, they don't want to accept this teaching. A lot of people, you can go argue this. They just, oh, yeah, this is what the Bible says. That's the first judgment. The second judgment is the judgment of works. Remember I said you're saved by grace, but then you're saved for works. Okay, This is the judgment of works. People who are, are not saved, that went through the first judgment, they're not going to be here. This is for the Christians, the believers, the people who are saved. They're going to be judged based on what you did in your body on this temporary earth. Okay? And this will determine levels of eternity, and I'm not going to get into that. But the, the 1 Corinthians chapter 3.14, I just want to I'm going to make sure you get into heaven first. Amen? <laughs> That's my job. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14 says, if, anyone, if anyone's works which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. This is talking about everything you do for God in your body right now on this temporary earth. It's going to be judged. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So basically, even if you're a believer in Christ, if you believe in Christ, you repented of your sins, your works are going to be judged. Um, The Bible talks a lot about rewards. This is what it's talking about. Rewards will be, will be determined by what you did. Um, there's a soul winner's reward. There's an elder's reward. There's all kinds of rewards in the Bible. The Bible says these, your works will be judged. 
by fire. It's either going to burn up or it's not. And so everything you do uh, that has anything to do with the kingdom of God uh, eternally, you know, to get people into eternity, to help uh, spread the gospel, uh, even though, you know, whatever you do in that magnitude that has eternal significance, kingdom significance, you're going to be rewarded for. That's what this is talking about. And Jesus said sometimes there will be those who, who are going to profess Jesus Christ and they're going to repent of their sins, yet their lives are still going to be unfruitful. It says their works will be judged, but they will still be saved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but this is, then we get into levels of heaven, levels of eternity, things you're going to do in, in heaven. Um, so it's interesting thought. Think about this. Think about what heaven might be like. Think about it, what, 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 it, what it would be like. Now compare that to your life on earth right now. Think about this. Here's another way of thinking. Think about the things that you enjoy doing the most. I mean, the thing, your, 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 your place, your happy place, that place that you go, that, that thing, that hobby that you enjoy doing, whatever it is that brings the most joy to your life, uh, um, the most fulfillment to your life, whether it's golf, whether it's fishing, just that place where you go, you lay in a hammock, you just enjoy life. It's just joyful and it's just and just it brings me great joy and it reflects God's goodness and beauty to everything. Think of that place, your life on earth, you know, just think of that. And when I say think of something that's fun and joy not and it doesn't include sin. <laughs> Is it possible that heaven is not going to be that much different than what those things you enjoy here on earth? In other words, there's no sin, there's no ramification of sin, there's this place, this is this place with no sin, no death, no sickness, no pain, no suffering, no relational problems, it's just this place, this mindset, you know, you're not having arguments, you're not on social media, you're not frustrated with somebody, you're not honking in traffic lines, you're not disgusted with the Walmart checkout lines, you know, things like that, it, 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 you know, listen to me, is it possible the things that bring you the most joy and fulfillment here on earth, is it possible that? That's what heaven's going to be like too. That you're just going to live life and it's going to be fun and it's going to be enjoyment and it's going to be fulfilling and there's going to be a lot of joy. If it's family, just think about it. It brings you a lot of joy, relationships, and you like being around family. Is it possible that that's what heaven's going to be like? Once heaven and earth, watch this, once heaven and earth come together, the Bible says heaven and earth are going to merge together and form a new habit, a new earth. This is the second heaven that we talked about. Once that starts to happen, everything shifts. Everything has shifted. And now I'm not going to talk about all these. They're listed out there in the bottom of the notes. But listen, number one, once, that thing, once heaven and earth come together, you have a resurrected body with no time and space limitations. Okay? How many of you like that resurrected body concept? I'm here for it. I'm here for it, man. I'm, you know, lose some pounds, get my teeth back, get my eyesight back, things like that. Um, there's no time and space limitations. You're not frustrated in traffic lines and waiting lines. It's just it's not there. You have no limitations on your body, which means uh, you don't have to stand there and try to get everything when you get out of bed and try to bend everything back into shape. You know, everything's working. It's a perfect body. Everybody say perfect body. And I mean, there's no, uh, <laughs> there's no ugliness. Everybody's good looking because, you know, have you ever heard that term, someone as ugly as sin? Well, there's no sin, so there's no ugly. Y'all following me? Everybody's beautiful. Everybody's pleasing. But, but really what I want to say is you look at everybody through the eyes of the love of Jesus Christ now. Um, there's no longer, you know, uh, uh, there's no longer all these divisions uh, um, you see everybody through the love of Jesus. There's no blacks, Hispanics, and Chinese, and Japanese. There's none of that. There's no racial divisions. There's no civil rights. There's no equal rights. Uh, none of that in heaven. You're, you're just going to love each other. Uh, um, that's, what, that's what we try to do in church. We try to replicate the love of Jesus, what heaven's going to be like. We try to replicate it here on, here on earth, and, and sometimes it's hard, uh, um, you know, but, but we enter. That's why we have worship, because that's what heaven's going to be like. That's why 
why we have multi-races in here. We have all kinds of different races, different skin colors. That's what heaven's going to look like. We love everybody in this place. Everybody, uh, doesn't matter your social economic status. doesn't matter uh, how much money you make or you don't make. It doesn't matter. We all come to this place right here because that's what heaven's going to look like. This is a picture of heaven right here. And, and we're going to worship together and we're going to stand together and we're going to pray together and we're going to do life together. That's what heaven's going to look like. Um, you know, your resurrected body, no more pain, no more sicknesses, um, you know, and, and we're just going to worship and there's not going to be any doctor visits, no more operations, no more cancer, no more terminal illness, none of that. You're going to have a God to worship and serve in whatever God purposes for you, in whatever way he purposes for you to serve him. There's going to be work to accomplish, but it's not going to be that work like you've got to grind that you hate to go to your job place. It's going to be eternal work. It's going to be kingdom work. It's going to be work with a purpose. It's not going to be hard. It's not going to be difficult. It's going to be a joy to do. We'll have friendships. The Bible talks about friendships. Uh, we're going to enjoy a lot of things, relational connections. Just imagine all that that we enjoy here on earth. Imagine, what if heaven's like that? I don't think we're just floating around playing harps and singing songs, although I'm good with that if that's what it's like. But I think we get to enjoy life for an eternity. Every day will be filled with the presence of God. You'll never have a day of loneliness. You'll never have that day where nobody cares about me. You'll never have that day where somebody's making fun of you uh, or turning their back on you or backstabbing you. That, there's not going to be none of that in heaven. Heaven's going to be great. Heaven's going to be unimaginable. Heaven's going to be this place that I, I live for. I live for. I want to live for. I want to be there. I want my friends and family to be there. I want my loved ones. I want my kids to be there, my grandkids. I want I want everybody to be there because if this is going to be fun, I want everybody to have fun. Amen? You'll be married to Jesus. Jesus will be your groom. You're going to be a bride for eternity. No more worrying, no more depression, no more medication. Everything you need is going to be provided for you. Uh, uh, you're not going to have a job where you clock in and clock out, things like that. Uh, um, you'll have a, a, a physical home. According to the Bible in John 14, uh, he's gone ahead to prepare a mansion for you. Um, the Bible talks about mansions. Um, some of you may have never seen a mansion. I've never seen a mansion. I've seen them, but I haven't never like, dwelled in one. But you're going to have a mansion. Uh, you're going to have a physical place. Um, drinking water. You ask about drinking water. There's drinking water because the Bible says you're going to drink from the river of life. The Bible says you're going to be eating fruit from the tree of life. You're going to have feasts. So this tells me you're going to eat. You're going to enjoy life and you're not going to get overweight. You're not going to be calories. There's not going to be uh, uh, gluten. There's not going to be none of that poison there. You're going to eat from the tree of life. It's going to produce life. Isaiah chapter 25 says you're going to have feasts for eternity. That's what the Bible talks about. Heaven's good. Heaven is a good place. It's a place that we all want to be. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. If you guys want to come to music, I'm going to read you a quote from C.S. Lewis, and then we'll pray, and I'll be done. This is what C.S. Lewis said about heaven. He said, we have become bent, sinful, bent versions of what God intended. All of us right here. He said, your deceitfulness, laziness, your lust, your deafness, your disability and diseases are not the real you. C.S. Lewis said, they are the temporary perversions that will be eliminated. Whew, I'm looking forward to that. They're the cancer that the great physician will, will surgically remove. His redemptive work is such that it'll never again will return. When you're on the new earth, for the first time, you'll be the person that God created you to be. That's exciting. That's a quote from C.S. Lewis. That's not the Bible, but that's what his imagination was like. How many of y'all believe that, really believe that about heaven? How many of you really believe that? This is what the Bible says. I didn't make none of this up. I'm not giving you a story. This is what the Bible, how the Bible describes heaven. And now that we've talked about the reality of heaven and the reality of hell and all those biblical realities, the reality is there's a heaven and there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. 
But the reality is, is you've got to make a choice about it. We're talking about choices. You can't just assume you're going to be in there. You can't just assume your ticket's been punched. The Bible says, repent for the, forget, for the remission of your sin. Repent for your sins. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins. Turn 180 degrees from your sins. Accept the work of Jesus Christ into your life. Uh, you're, then you're saved for a good work. Roll your sleeves up and get to work. Learn, grow, grow in a relationship with Him. But it's a choice. I mentioned working out daily your salvation with tremble and fear. I, I mentioned that. That means every day you got to get up and make a choice that I'm going to live for God. Every day, it's a choice. You don't just assume you come to church on Sunday and then the rest of your week you're going to live for God because you're not. Because the devil is turned loose on this earth and he's going to bring all hell against you and he's going to bring all hell against some of you Monday morning and, and to make your life a miserable so you won't serve God. It's a choice. Every day it's a decision. It's a decision. Every day. Every day. Choose you this name who you serve. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Life or death, good or evil, it's a choice, but it's not a little choice. It has ramifications for generations. This is not about where you go to college. This is not about how popular you are. It's not about who you're going to marry. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about how much ti- how, what titles you have. None of that determines your eternity. None of that determines your eternal, eternity des- eternal destination. After this life is over, eternity is going to be forever somewhere in one of two places. There's not a gray area of heaven. <laughs> I just kind of want to do it and I kind of not want to do it. There, there's not that. There, And I told you last week, I told you the Spirit of God has been impressing upon me more and more in the last few weeks to bring people to make choices in this hour. In this day we live in, leading up to elections and everything that's going on in our world, he's saying, bring my people to a place where they have to make decisions. They have to make choices. Bring them to that place. Make them make decisions. You know why? Because he wants people, choose you this day who you're going to serve. We got to, no more riding the fences. No... uh, (laughs) The lines are going to be divided in our culture, and it's going to be very clear who's going to serve God and who's not. And it's going to become more and more evident. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Everybody stand with me. I want to pray with you.